Hi, and welcome to The Unveiling. I'm Tim, one of the hosts, and along with Ajay and Mark, we are three guys discussing the one true gospel. We hope you're encouraged by this episode. Let's dive right in. Welcome back to The Unveiling with your hosts, Ajay, Mark, and Tim. This is episode 46. We are delving back into the seven I Ams of Jesus in the book of John. This is going to be number five in that series. And today's verse specifically is John eleven twenty five that says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. So this is a very short verse, but there's a lot of implications here. So before we get started and in diving into the context of the verse itself, let's put the context of where it is biblically speaking and in the life of Jesus. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha were friends of Jesus, and uh, he received word that Lazarus was sick and decided that he wasn't going to go right away. And he said something cryptic, which I'm sure nobody understood at the time, but he says Lazarus' sickness existed so that the glory of God could be seen. Two days later, someone came and said he had passed away, so Jesus and the disciples went. He went to the house of Lazarus and was met on the road by uh, Mary, or Martha, excuse me, and she told him, you know, if you had come when he was sick, I know you could have healed him. So she had faith in his abilities. She'd seen miracles. She, she knew he could heal. Uh, but Jesus, Jesus told her that her brother would rise again. Martha repeats that she knows of Jesus' teaching, but she still fails to connect those teachings to who Jesus is. I know he will rise again in the last resurrection days. And so she's like, you know, I understand spiritual resurrection. And I know all that's going to happen. And I know Jesus never did this, but every once in a while when he's dealing with people, I picture him shaking his head like, no, 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 you didn't get the point again. Um, but that's just the way we humans are. And I know he doesn't do that. He loves us so much. He would never be disappointed in us. But he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, and the one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And that's uh, John 11, 25 and 26. So in the next few minutes, Jesus walks down to the tomb, has them move the move, you know, the obstruction out of the way of the opening, and calls in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And out walks Lazarus, kind of shedding grave clothes as he comes out. You know, they weren't exactly mummified, but he was in certain vestments that they put on the dead. Lo and behold, alive and well in the world, in the physical world. So he, he brings the point home that it's, he's not contained to just the spiritual. He's also involved in the physical, and that's what he proved that day. So here I am going on and on. I'm going to pass this off. Mark, where do we go from here? It's a lot to unpack. Well, just I want to comment on one thing you just pointed out before I uh, dive into my direction here. I I find it very interesting that when Martha goes running to Jesus, who's coming from far off, to tell him, hey, you know what? The one you love, you know, Jesus was very close to Lazarus, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, He's dying. You need to come, you know. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And I 
her answer, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day, like you pointed out. It's a very religious, spiritual answer. It's almost like almost like modern day kids sitting in Sunday school over the years. This is all she knows about resurrection. It's the the common religious teaching of that time. And then Jesus, you know, very much like when he would teach on the Ten Commandments, he would say, I know you've heard it said that, but, and then he would, bam, hit him with the full power of the truth. And here he's saying, wait a minute, this isn't just Sunday school catechism here. I am the resurrection and the life. And as uh, as I prepared and thought a lot in the last week about this topic of Jesus telling us and, you know, first of all, Martha, but all of us that he is the resurrection and the life. That's a very powerful statement. In fact, as I thought about it, this topic is literally a matter of life and death. It doesn't get more important than this, and that's literally as well. And and the context is important too, I think, because all the things he's saying here, he's proving them. Who else has brought somebody back literally from the dead that's been, yeah, we have doctors who use paddles, but this is someone who's dead days. I think it was at least two days by the time he, maybe longer, four, yeah, he had been been in the tomb four days. So, you know, he's proving that my words have validity. Yeah, so yeah, Mark, you know, like you said, you know, one thing that struck me is, you know, Jesus is simply saying that I am the resurrection and life, right? And it's very clear here. And in John, 1 John verse 5, I mean, in chapter 5, it says, he that has the son has life, and he does not have the son does not have life. So I don't know how many of us realize that life is in the person of Lord Jesus Christ. You know, without him, we have no life. You know, sometimes when we think of eternal life, we think, okay, yeah, it is life everlasting. You know, we go to heaven and we all will live forever. But that eternal life is Lord Jesus Christ himself. And the Bible has many pictures, you know, one of the strongest pictures is, I am the vine, you are the branches, right? And he clearly says, you know, if the branch does not remain in the vine, if the branch separates from the vine, it will die. So again, I think it's important to understand Jesus himself, the person of Jesus Christ, he is eternal life. And unless we are in him, we have no life. And it also has many implications on, you know, how we live the Christian life. I guess, you know, we can touch later, but uh, this is a point that uh, popped out at me. You know, Jesus himself is life. Outside of him, there's no life. You know, Ajay, it's a good point. In John alone, in these seven verses, Jesus uses the word in the descriptions of himself that start with I am. He uses the word life three times. We've covered one, I am the bread of life. We're going over the I am the resurrection and life, and yet to come is I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then, of course, you picked up that uh, that verse in uh, one John, and that and there are other places. So this is obviously an important part because it's repeated over and over. Yeah, in fact, even when Jesus says, "I am the light," it doesn't stop there. He says, "I am the light of life. He that follows me will not walk in darkness." So all of them are, you know, uh, pointing to this life that life we don't have. When Adam died, you know, we when Adam sinned, we all died. When he died in him, we all die. And ever since, you know, what humanity 
is seeking after is real life and they don't have it the real life that we all are seeking for that we lost in adam and we have a longing for is found in the lord jesus christ and outside of him there is no life and it really makes sense when you think about it because john 1:1 tells us in the beginning was the word capital w referring to jesus and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind all life was made through christ in fact it says the life was in him he is the source of all life and he's still the source of all life uh resurrection life and life in the here and now because he also said you know most christians and even people that are christians know about eternal life but jesus said i've come to give you life now and life to the full he's just he's life like in a life explosion you know when you think about it all life is contained in him so we picked on of this verse we've picked on life a little bit and i i think maybe it might behoove our listeners if we just touch on when jesus said in this verse the one who believes in me will live even though they die now that's very contradictory and maybe for some people who have not had some of the background we've had being raised in the church they may not understand exactly what that means is won't someone want to take a crack at that well and then then uh we can move forward with it or or on to resurrection well, I think I've got a great scripture here that addresses that point, Tim, and you guys can chime in on this. Second Corinthians 5, 4 is talking about our earthly bodies, and it says, For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, in other words, our resurrection bodies, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So there's a couple things here that I really, I just love that term, swallowed up by life. And, you know, the we all know, even without Scripture, everybody on the planet knows we're all going to die. Even Christians, as we're watching people we love that are believers, wait a minute, they died. I thought Jesus said, yeah, but they were swallowed up by life and came into full life. Even more, I've heard someone say once that the life we the, the life we experience when we come into the presence of God, what we've experienced down here is almost going to not seem, it's almost like the, the comparison of the glory of life is going to seem like no glory at all here. That's why, um, who was it? I think it was Peter that said, uh, considering the glory set before us, our trials here on earth are like nothing to even complain about. Reminded me of the verse uh, um, in, again, John chapter 1, Mark, you know, the light shines in darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. So, you know, it's uh, uh, it's uh, very interesting. You know, you said that the life of Lord Jesus Christ actually swallowed up death. You know, before Christ, what happened, Right. Before the Lord Jesus Christ, before his finished work, before his death on the cross for us, for Adam, right, you know, death swallowed up Adam's life because of sin. You know, when Adam sinned, death actually swallowed up Adam's life and Adam died. And then Adam was in the light 
but he was uh, he was in the kingdom of light with god so to speak but you know he was thrown into the kingdom of darkness but you know in jesus is the other way we are in darkness his light overcomes our darkness and we are sinful right but his blood washes away our sin and then we are dead his life swallows up our death so i think that's why you know once we come into christ right when we once we are planted in life we should never be afraid of you know death overpowering life again because the life we have is greater than the death we died in adam and i love the last that last scripture i just read that last line says now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose we were not created to die it's not god's desire that we die the very purpose he created us for was life and jesus has come given his own life to restore that purpose to us we were created to live not to die and i would say you know as i get older friends and family people are dying starting to die i'm not that old but i mean still and i just and it, you know, i caught myself saying recently when a friend of my wife passed away that I'm like, man, do I hate death? But then it just struck me. There's one who hates death even more than I do. And that's Jesus. In fact, he, he hated it so much that he went to extreme lengths to conquer it. Um, so thank you, Lord, on that. Amen. Good point. So we've, we've talked a little bit about what the life means. What Martha understood the resurrection in the spiritual sense. Is there a physical sense in the here and now that the resurrection has for us as Christians today? Yeah, you know, I think it is. I will actually want to go back and touch on the spiritual resurrection as well in a bit. But I think on the physical side also, right, you know, once we have the resurrection life of our Lord Jesus Christ, it does work in us in fact you know if you go to romans chapter 8 right that clearly talks about it um okay romans chapter 8 verse from starting from verse 9 it's talking to believers right it's clearly saying that you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if indeed the spirit of god dwells in you so we know for sure right the spirit of god dwells in us because the bible clearly says when we receive the forgiveness of sins we have also received the gift of the holy spirit and if the spirit of god is dwelling in us the scripture says we are not in the flesh but in the spirit now if anyone does not have the spirit of christ he is none of us so that is a litmus test of a believer if you don't have the spirit of christ no matter what you believe intellectually no matter no matter how many how much of a good life you have morally you are still not his you have to have the spirit of christ and now is the scripture you know that i was talking about and if christ is in you the body is dead because of sin but spirit is life because of righteousness and if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you so obviously it is talking about the mortal bodies right it's not talking about immortal bodies so it's talking about the body now we have so if the spirit of life that raised jesus from the dead right so in other words it's saying if the resurrection life of um, god dwells in you it will also quicken your mortal body so we can expect the life of christ to manifest not only in our spirits not only in our soul but also in our bodies 
Yeah, and that agrees completely what Jesus said with what he said in John 6. He said, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. And just to also point out, who is the spirit? The spirit is Christ. It's the spirit of Christ in us. And if we have the spirit of Christ in us and he is the life, we've got life. Yep. Tim, I'm going to pick up right from um, as Jesus is on his way with Martha now to go to Lazarus, to Lazarus before he resurrects him. It says, as he came there, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. This really moves me to read this, because when you think about uh, the life that Jesus led, he was always in perfect peace in every situation, being attacked by the Pharisees. Just, you know, there's only a few couple times that he shows emotion to this depth. But this one really moves me here. It just shows how much Jesus, he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So why would he weep or cry or be deeply troubled? Because it wasn't because he was sad about Lazarus. It was because even though he knew he was going to raise him, he loved these people and empathized with, he empathizes with our mourning and our sorrow over death, even though he knows he's going to raise you know, us, us when we die, he still cares about what we care about. And to me, that just really moved me. Yeah, Mark, you know, I uh, never really understood that, you know, what it means. And some people say uh, some things, you know, about it, right, their own interpretation. But I think uh, he was, uh, it's, uh, it amazes me, right, you know, he wept, right? He wept and he showed his human emotion. Um, well, we've always said that Christ came fully man uh, fully man and fully God. How could he be fully man if he didn't experience if he didn't yeah. experience all of the emotions that we do, including loss, grief, as well as the good yeah. ones, you know? I mean this this is part of the human experience. And yeah. and I yeah. think on that note, as I think about it, he knew that just in a matter of moments their grief would turn to massive joy and celebration. So I think I think his weeping and being deeply moved was also on a larger scale than just that particular situation. I think he was maybe being moved by death in general, that like what befell mankind, the reason he came to save us was because God doesn't want death for us. The very reason he fashioned us was for life. So I think he was moved by their show of weeping and mourning over death. But I think possibly, even on a larger scale, death is, these are the people I love. I'm coming to die for. Look what, look how death affects them. So, so yeah, I would like to uh, go back to our main verse today. I am the resurrection and the life. So we did talk about the second part, right? We talked about the life, but you know, I want to touch upon the first part. I am the resurrection. Like Mark pointed out, yeah, I know he will raise in the resurrection at the last day. And 
Lord Jesus' statement is, I am the resurrection. So that means apart from me, there is no resurrection. So in the Jewish culture, I think uh, uh, in the Jewish, uh, according to Jewish doctrine, yes, there is a, uh, they believed always, you know, in the resurrection day, you know, the last day, we will raise again. But for them, they might be thinking that, you know, each one of us will individually rise in our own resurrection. We all will, will be awakened to life again. But here the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, I am the resurrection. In other words, without me, you cannot be resurrected. And, you know, that goes back to, again, our identification with our Lord Jesus Christ. I would like to go back to Romans uh, 6 again and uh, talk about our uh, identification, you know, how Paul puts it. Uh, Romans chapter 6, and starting from verse 1, right? Um, So here there's an objection. People are saying, oh, these grace guys are saying, you know, just accept Lord Jesus Christ, accept grace and go sin. Paul immediately addresses that. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. So here the identification part comes. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him through the baptism into death, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of Father, even so, we also should walk in the like newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So I want to pause here and uh, look at this, right? So first of all, we saw that Jesus himself is the resurrection. Apart from him, there is no resurrection. No matter what you believe, all the Jews, without Christ, they won't be resurrected. You know, our resurrection is not like, you know, God is going to pick each and every one and give an individual life and they come to life back. You know, it's not like that. Our resurrection is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way for us to be raised from the dead is we should be united with him. And before we can be united in his resurrection, you see here, right? We have to be united in his death, you know, gospel all over again. We believe in his death, burial, and resurrection, or we believe into his death, into his burial, and into his resurrection. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, our old man, you know, what we were before we believed in Christ, we were in Adam. When we believed in Christ, our old man is united with his death. So the old man no longer exists. And then that is actually the baptism is a symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So when uh, when we believe and we are baptized, the symbol is, you know, when we go inside the water, the old man is united with his death and he was buried. And when we raise out of the water, we are united in his resurrection and we become a new creation. So I just wanted to say that, you know, it all speaks of our union with our Lord Jesus Christ. Many of us, you know, don't, realize that, you know, we are united to Christ. When we believed in him, we were united in his death. And because we were united in his death, we were united in his resurrection. Some people, uh, I just, I'll just say this and stop, Mark. I think you want to say something. But if you try to bypass the cross, there is no resurrection. We have to be united in his death first, and then we'll be united in his resurrection. And, and, and kind of going from that point, there's a very real aspect in which uh, 
Our resurrection took place the moment we put our faith in Christ. Jesus said to people, enter into life today. When we put our faith with him, right then we are seated in the heavenly realms. We are raised to the heavenly realms. There's a doneness of the deal already. That's why we have that same power. Paul said in Ephesians 1 that uh, he prayed that we would know the incomparably great power for us who believe, which is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he brought Christ back to life. So when you put your faith in Christ, you've already entered into that resurrection life. No, we haven't been given our eternal bodies yet, but we're already walking in that spirit who gives life. We already have that same power, and and it can resurrect us in many ways in our lives. It can resurrect broken relationships and physical maladies and, you know, just so many ways. Resurrection life is just complete. It's not like just for when we die and then then we get it. So that's just awesome part of our the riches of our glorious inheritance in Him. Uh, one about this. Just let me tag one final thought here on what you said, Ajay. Uh, you were quoting Paul how he was being accused by the religious of his day of preaching that we should sin more so that grace will abound more. What's very interesting is many, and we always put this preface, so we're not trying to attack anybody personally, but people, theologians, pastors come out of seminary, they've studied this. They know that Paul was being attacked because he was preaching the message of God's grace, the true gospel. And they were saying that if you rely on grace alone, through faith alone in Christ alone, you're saying that you should go out and sin so that grace should abound more. Well, they know that, and yet that's still the attack they themselves put on the gospel nowadays, which makes no sense. You know, that when they say grace is a license to sin, or be careful, you got to keep it in balance, grace and works, you know, they're, they're making that same mistake that the religious leaders accused Paul of in that day. Ajay, you're probably going to go a little bit further here in Romans uh, 6, but I want to just pick a verse because Mark was uh, said when saying what he said. Verse 14 says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Now, I don't think any verse in the Bible anywhere says it that clearly, that straightforwardly, you are not under the law, you are under grace. That's a great point, Tim. And there are, the only point I'll, I'm, I'll split a slight hair on is there, there are many, many that are almost that clear, if not that clear, that tell us we are no longer under law and that it's the flesh, it's the works that arouse the sin in us. It's not grace. It's the opposite. Hey, it's almost like it's 180 degrees backwards. What does that mean? <laughs> that's, that's one of our running things that people yeah. just... When you yeah. when you don't understand grace and you don't understand works, you mix them and they're opposite. They're like oil and water. Yeah, Tim, I want to quickly touch on the verse you uh, quoted. Right, sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not under the law but under grace. That means if you are under the law, sin will have dominion over you. It is so clear, but still people are preaching as if law is the one you know that will deliver us from the dominion of sin. It is, you know, sometimes, you know, we don't seem to, unless God opens our eyes, 
we cannot really see what is plainly written in the scriptures in fact all the truths that we discover after god opens our eyes we go back and see oh my god this is so plainly written how did i miss it it's not a cryptic thing god is opening but it's plainly there but we don't see it you know that's what i just love about first corinthians chapter 2 when we we did a whole podcast on this when paul said i vowed to know nothing but christ and him crucified this is just jesus when he says i am the resurrection and the life when he says i am the way the truth it's all him it's the cross it's christ everything is found in him he is the focus of our life he is the he's our everything really you know so how people get their eyes off of that and start looking at the law again i mean i did it for many years myself for lack of knowledge i want to go back and back up something you said uh, before mark by with scriptures because we don't say anything without scriptures so you're saying my opinions not enough is that what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah um um so you said you know we are already resurrected and it is our reality that's what the scriptures also say in uh, this is one of your favorite chapters i know in ephesians chapter 2 and from verse 4 but god who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in christ jesus so it's clear here right we may not realize that but our spirit man is already united to our lord jesus christ and seated in heaven and the spirit man is already resurrected that's why the bible says if any man be in christ he is a new creation old things are passed away and behold all things are become new inversely i guess you'd say not only are we seated in the heavenly realms the spirit of christ is in us who gives life to our mortal bodies yeah so we've got it we're already resurrected but then he's already here in us now giving life to us even in this world yeah yeah that is a mystery of the uh, gospel christ in us and we in christ we are joined to christ and christ comes to live in us and that is a mystery amen offering offering the last uh, chance for any points before we do our wrap up has anybody got anything else they want to bring up out of this I've got a final scripture I'd like to tie my conclusion up with and this whole thing there were you know there were many people in error back in that day about resurrection some believed in it some didn't believe in it uh some just like like Martha thought of it as a catechism as a spiritual religious kind of thing but Jesus said this to the people that were in error he said you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God he said he said dumb have you not read what god said to you i am the god of abraham the god of isaac and the god of jacob he is not the god of the dead but of the living when the crowds heard this they were astonished at his teaching so hopefully today as we've focused on this life that's in christ it's helped some of us even the three of us come into a clear picture of of Jesus and just for a final thought all these i ams we've been doing it's just become so clear you know as i mentioned paul saying vowing to know nothing but christ and him crucified christ saying i am the way the truth and the life all roads have to lead to christ 
Anything else is a detour and a distraction. You know, no matter how much you want to try to live a good life and try harder and all that, it's not, the Apostle Paul said it doesn't profit anybody. It is not excellent. It's not profitable. Only focusing on Christ, that's all that profits anybody. Very good, Mark. Thank you very much. Ajay, what's what's on your mind here as we come to the end? Yeah, I want to close this with this scripture, 1 John 5, uh, from verse 10 to 13. He who believes in the Son of God has witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believes in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. So um, here it's clear, right? You know, it's a gospel call. Anyone today who is hearing, they are not sure that they have this life. It's very, very simple. You simply believe in the name of Son of God. The name of Son of God is Jesus, and Jesus means Yahweh is salvation. So you simply believe that Jesus is your Savior. He died and he rose again to save you. Simply by believing, you have eternal life. And the Son of God himself comes to live in you, and he shares his own life with us. It's as simple as that. And also, after you do that, you don't have to wonder that whether you have this life or not. So here, John wants to uh, give us assurance. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So what a blessing it is. We know that we have eternal life. And I will pile on to those with what I think is a very good description of what living a resurrection life actually looks like. And this comes from Philippians 4, uh, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. We have Jesus in us. He covers us. When God looks at us, well, he sees us because he loves us as individuals and you know of humanity. He, see, he doesn't see any of our weaknesses and foibles because those are all covered by Jesus. And we can live a life prayerful for the things that we need, and, but with full understanding and peace that passes understanding that will guard our hearts and our minds. And that's, that's amazing. I can go through some, I've been through some heavy stuff. And despite it all, someone will almost inevitably look at me and go, how come you're not freaking out about this? Or how come you're not more upset? And it's like, honestly, I don't know. Normally, I think my myself, I would be. But I think it's because, I know it's because, I've got Jesus in me, the Spirit in me and covering me and guiding me through it with peace. And that is a lovely way to live some days. Amen. Well, guys, is that about wraps us up for tonight? Unless anyone's got a last word? 
in that case, once once again, and as usual, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to us. I am going to give you a quick preview of next week. We are going to continue our series of the seven I am's. Coming up next is I am the way and the, the truth and the life from John fourteen six. We look forward to you rejoining and listening to us then. And until then, we'll talk to you the next time. Tim again. Thanks for listening today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, we encourage you to subscribe and share our podcast with your friends and family. Our entire catalog of episodes can be found on our website at www.theunveiledgospel.com or you can listen and subscribe on most popular podcast apps. If you have any feedback or questions, you can send us an email to theunveiledgospel at yahoo.com. You can reach out to us on our Facebook page, The Unveiling Podcast, or you can leave a question or comment on our listener line at 352-398-0089. Maybe you'll hear yourself on a future episode. That's it for today. As always, God bless, and we will talk to you the next time.